Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again, and buckle up for another great conversation. But yeah, you've, you've got the podcast, and you are a fellow um, TV news reporter, um, and there's some pretty qu- interesting questions I'd love to ask you about, about your time as a news reporter, but you've got the podcast, and I don't know, maybe if you want to take the floor, um, you know, how did the podcast begin, and, and what does it mean to you um, to have something like that and, and have those conversations with such incredible people? Yeah, it means everything to me because it is such a special space that allows me to connect with people on such a incredibly powerful level and I feel it's, a, it's such a privilege to be able to do that. Um, so it's a real, yeah, it's just amazing that I have something like that in my life and I only get more grateful that I've established that platform because it helps me, I feel, as much as it helps um, anyone else, mm. which is great. I'm sure you guys feel similarly that we just want we want answers to this thing called life and the best way to figure stuff out or at least get close to that is to ask other people's perspectives and hear what they've been through and figure out that we're all pretty much the same no matter how different we are mm. from each other and it gives you that feeling in your heart and in your soul of this matters and this is what people are meant to do we're supposed to connect in this way and we do it less and less and any time that we have these real conversations as the host I love it personally and, I, and everyone I ever interview um because i'm such a brilliant interviewer this is why i'm not it's very cathartic and, and people love love being able to talk like that and then i think even those who aren't coming on a podcast men especially are just waiting to talk like under the surface there's seems to me there's so many people i say men everyone um simmering under the surface we want to talk about how we're feeling and what we're going through and where we've been and our fears and our hopes and we want to be able to relate to each other but we feel like we don't have permission to and anytime someone gets permission to do that we just a lot of the time we seem to really seize it and Mm -hmm. it's so good for everyone Um, obviously Mm -hmm. will always be the case but i find that that's pretty typical and i just love seeing people open up like that and being able to have it be my job to get their message across as strongly as possible as they want it Mm. to come across and share their story because everyday people have incredible stories that otherwise wouldn't get shared and that that's more relevant to the everyday listener because they can relate to that person uh, who's been through something similar and isn't all that different to them and i just think it's Mm. the best thing in the world i'm thinking yeah i'm just a storyteller uh, I can feel that within myself and I love having this avenue and I'm so glad I was born at this time in human history as well because I don't think I would have been <laughs> as useful had I been born at any other time yeah. uh, but it all started I lost my friend Jamo to suicide at the start of 2019 and I was a seven news reporter at the time I got that news while I was halfway through a shift I got a phone call from another mate who explained that and then went into sh- shock I never lost someone suddenly like that before. And it's a very unique feeling going into shock. Mm. I remember trying to finish my shift because I just was all over the place and didn't know what to do. And then not long after, uh, couldn't finish my shift, obviously, and broke down and uh, was just in a, a blur for the next 24 hours at least. Uh, and that was just the most painful thing I've ever been through and such a shock. And to that point, I really hadn't had anything dramatically awful happen to me, which is a blessing. And that really shook my world up and went through grief and uh, experienced the grief that that put, well, 
hundreds of people mm-hmm. through, even though my friend felt like you know, he was alone ultimately when he decided to make that decision, but I couldn't have been further from the truth. But of course, many people who end up being suicidal can't see past that at the time and we can't judge them for that. That had a massive effect on me and I was already quite over the news reporting. I've been doing it for four years and especially commercial TV news, it was very much focused on negative and on exaggerating things and focusing on the worst thing that was happening that day and trying to beat it up into something even worse. And sort of, I and because I wasn't a senior reporter doing the most important news of the day, I was often in the most violent suburbs where something awful happened and people didn't really need to know about it. But it was kind of like street gossip mm. and I'd spend my whole day looking for CCTV mm. footage and trying to make it into something. And wasn't that proud of it at the end mm. of the day and found that a lot of people who were in that state, they were already having the worst day of their life and your job was kind of to make it a bit worse. Mm. Not that it was mm. anyone's fault, but that was just sort of how the game was. And that wasn't mm. a game I really believed in or wanted to play anymore. And then when I lost my friend, suddenly I went into shock. I, um, I couldn't really handle those scenes anymore because a lot of that I realised was me dealing with people mm. when they're in shock and then getting them to talk on mm. camera when they otherwise wouldn't. And then when I would go to scenes where a young person just died, I would just see my friend and was like, oh, I can't yeah. do this sort of thing anymore. You know, fatal accidents and having to find out who the family is and then go to their house a few hours, hours later and ask them how they felt about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, once mm. I'd been touched by that personally, uh, it just changed for me and I, I couldn't see it the same way. Mm. But I knew I wanted to tell stories I had being a reporter for four years in Port Lincoln, then Townsville, uh, then back to Adelaide. And I'd done radio for years and years voluntarily before that. Uh, always good at English. Parents both mm. English teachers. Reading books. Terrible at maths. <laughs> I want to be a teacher. Mm. So I was always going to be a storyteller, but I wanted to tell stories that I felt really mattered and meant something. Mm. And then I also recognised that men just lack platforms to speak publicly about what they go through. Uh, and there's plenty of stuff out there for women. And obviously women generally have no issue expressing their feelings and talking about where they're at. And that's a, a fantastic thing, but more typically males haven't had that opportunity. And then there's a stereotype that, oh, well, we don't want to. And I don't think that's true at all. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, mm-hmm. I, I am a journalist and I've got a reason now and something that I could make a show about that would mean a lot to me and, and help other people so I just went for that and I happened to know uh, a guy Rory Noak who's my producer who owns mm. the podcasting studio here in Adelaide who was uh, a freelance cameraman we used to work together on the news and he was already into the podcasting game and so there was some serendipity there ended up working together and just put one front foot in front of the other started doing episodes same as you guys <laughs> didn't really know what I was doing learned stuff as I went along the way and you learn a fuck ton. <laughs> so that's been two and a half years. Mm, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's the only way to only way to learn is to do it. Um, so yeah, that was started in 2019. I've uh, been two and a half years now, done nearly 100 episodes of it, and spoke to young men from all over Australia and the world about every single kind of uh, mental health related issue and just a whole lot of stories of what people go through and. Yeah, it's it's been the most meaningful thing I've ever done with my life. I uh, absolutely love having the opportunity to do it and being able to talk to people with, with that level of depth is so good. Mm. And yeah, I can't imagine not doing it. I certainly wouldn't want to live my life without having the opportunity to have these kinds of conversations now mm. because it just flows on into the rest of your life as well. I think you um, maybe feel more grateful for, oh, absolutely. for your own life in terms of the perspective that it gives you and you maybe feel the weight of how lucky you are more and that you have a, an opportunity mm. to be able to give more and that it, it does matter you know there is purpose there's a lot of mm. purpose and meaning in the world if you want to find it and declare it for yourself and mm. find a, an avenue in which to do something that gives you that feeling I think that's what we all want mm out of life mm. so yeah that's that's led me to doing that show and starting a business because ultimately if you want to do something 
creative, you've got to turn it into something that maybe one day pays some money so you don't end up being homeless while trying to do it. <laughs> I still work a job four days yeah. a week uh, at the Health Institute telling stories, but they're all positive stories about the amazing research that our researchers do. So mm. I like that gig a lot, but uh, also work for myself and post podcasts for other organizations and make feature podcasts, which are sort of like documentaries. Yep. And then I've got into increasingly getting into the space of uh, running workshops for school kids around wellbeing mm. and mental health stuff as well. So it's all pretty up in the air, has been for a number of years. I'm pretty comfortable and used to yeah. the uncertainty of things, but I choose that over, I guess, stability and routine at this point in my life because I found something that is really what I want to go after and lit that fire within me. And I almost feel like I don't have a choice but to see it out and see what happens. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's how I got to be this rendition of myself in this dimension. <laughs> in this universe, in this universe there, Cal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, no, that was that was really beautiful, Very beautifully articulate. said, um, Cal. And um, you mentioned there that, you, that your forte there was English, and I think that really comes across in the way that you communicate, mate. So um, really enjoyed mm. that. And I, and I actually, like, well, yeah, I, I really enjoy that question because even though it's a very kind of simple question, it actually gives the opportunity for our guests to tell their own story. And, and generally when, when the guests, when we ask this question to guests, it's never ever a one-line response. Like every single person has a, has a story and it's just a testament to the fact that everyone, you know, does have a story and does have some sort of personal experiences um, that they'd like to share. And, um, and, and like Sunny mentioned bef- just before, we, we, are av- 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 we are avid listeners of your podcast, Cal. And I think um, I like it because in terms of the services that are, with, that are available within mental health, particularly within young people in our society, it's, it's actually not as much. I mean, now, of course, and I, obviously in Victoria, we've got yeah. some really amazing initiatives like the Man Cave. Um, but potentially in other states where that service may not be accessible to kids in, in high school, um, there's actually a lot of where, where there is a massive opportunity for a lot of preventative measures to be instilled, particularly in those years that are pre and post puberty, I guess. Um, it seems like there's a real gap there. I think there's a, there's a bit more of it in Victoria, but certainly in um, South Australia, we really don't have anything much, especially for senior school boys. And I think that what you said there, prevention, preventative health, in you know, a mental health space is the major area that needs more funding and needs more work because I think there's, there's quite a bit of funding and attention that's directed to the under, other end of the spectrum once it's a crisis. And that's what we all know about with Lifeline and those kinds of organisations where that's that's extremely important as well. But I think the, the grassroots programs around preventative health and around preparing young people for life and actually talking about their emotional lives and everything else that goes on other than just the subjects they're doing at school, which is really a fraction of their reality, especially now that they have to deal with technology and saying, this is how you guys can think about navigating this. I think that that is massively important and under-serviced and not just uh, one group needs to do something about it, but uh, it'd be great if there was a whole bunch of programs and things for that side of life. Because for me, when I was at school, I think that emotional life and the drama that was going on under the surface and, you know, your love life is never more intense than when you're in school. <laughs> My love life was primary school, man. It was hectic. And, uh, and that, was, that was well before social media that we see these days mm. so i just think like man, these kids are under so much pressure and they're like always on their phones and it would just be really tough and um yeah we need younger people who sort of get it but are a bit older to be able to help deliver i think some of that messaging and then that needs to be based on science and research and, and be legit yeah yeah, in in um in Victoria just last year actually we had the um the Royal Commission into the mental health system and um you know obviously the, before this time there was actually wasn't too much dialogue um for uh, and sort of funding that was put into this into the system I'm sure there was but um you know it wasn't really made public and I honestly hadn't really didn't really know that I'm probably need to fact check fact check that actually but um they released a report just last year outlining around 65 different recommendations to improve the mental health system. And, and I guess one thing I was thinking about recently was really 
how important this issue is to our society from an economics and I guess policy perspective because one of the things that one of the learnings that Sunny and I have gathered um, through this experience of doing this podcast and, and, and reading up about this material was how intersectional um, the mental health system is and how intersectional the, intersectional the mental health issue is really I mean it can be seen as the cause of, of, of a plethora of different issues from you know crime alcohol abuse um yeah drug abuse as well yeah and, and so yeah. it's yeah. we've got to we've got to put that funding into mental health and the, and the intention into it because it's the flow and effect is everything so we're talking about mental health i mean <clears throat> that's that's who we are as people it's how we see ourselves in the world it's how we treat each other <clears throat> you know it's it's everything and 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 it flows into all areas of our life so we really need to prioritize that i feel because the benefit's going to be so comprehensive and to neglect it it rears its head sorry my laptop people. but i think things like covid the upside of that has been it has shone a massive spotlight on mental health and corporations somewhat and certainly individuals have become more compassionate towards the need to look after mental health and and treat it a bit more like physical health when we talk about preventative health in general, we need to treat it the same as we do our physical health. I mean, what's the best way to avoid a physical crisis where it ends up being obesity, or, you know, extreme obesity or heart disease or whatever it is. I mean, some of the best things that you can do are preventative measures, you know, exercise, eating properly, and mental health just got to be treated no differently. You hear that sort of mm. rhetoric all the time. Yeah, and, and another aspect of your story there, Cal, was um, and actually a part of your story that I could actually empathise with was when your um, when the, when you received the news that your mate had passed away, and um, you know that, that was actually a very similar a similar position to me. Was I remember that time that moment when um, one of my friends actually gave me a call um, from my previous job? Was this guy actually? I used to work with this guy, um, and I was sitting there doing like my office training, and then you know my uh, my colleague. My ex-colleague gave me a call and, and, you know, and I found it really weird at the time. Like I never actually receive any calls from anyone. Um, and I was like, why, why is this person giving me a call? And, you know, I picked up the phone and, um, you know, I was just actually very trivial. I was actually like, oh, hey, how you going? You know, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, what's up? You know, I was actually, you know, just it was very jovial, like very banterish. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, then she just said that he, you know, he passed away. And I was just like, I was just filled with literally anger and shock, really. It was very similar to you, actually, Cal. Um, and yeah, it was just a... Uh, very tough period um and, and sort of going through that whole grieving process and stuff and you know like you said it, it comes in waves and um i'll be really interested to know from your perspective cal like and obviously with the benefit of hindsight as well and it's obviously everything's very easy but in that moment when you did find out and i guess like the the weeks and months leading up to that um were there any sort of obvious signs that you could tell that something was was off and uh, yeah hindsight's a beautiful thing yeah uh, when you look back on it like that, especially now knowing what I know about mental health, which I didn't have any idea of before because it never really crossed my mind, um, the signs are everywhere. But at the time, I had no idea that it was that he was anywhere near that dark. Um, he, I knew he was struggling. He was isolated in the state. He was trying to start a career in investment banking that wasn't working out straight away. He's a very proud, hardworking man whose father died um, when he was uh, in his late teens. So he had his uh, single mother uh, who was then supporting him while he was away interstate trying to find a job. And I felt a lot of guilt around that and would have convinced himself that he was a burden, even though he was the most relentless, hardworking, dedicated, honourable guy I knew. And if you were to ask me when he was alive, like who of everyone you know is most likely to succeed, I would have said him. But, which is one of the things that surprised me the most about it, but is a bit of a theme in suicide as well. We, we now know, or I now know, that it's not about how you look um, on the outside or what your life on paper or whether you're you know someone who is is more uh, introverted or, or quieter or someone who's more extroverted and out there um, like it 
it can hide in anyone and, and people can are so good at hiding their true feelings no matter who they are and that the friend that you think is the one who's in the best place might be the one in the worst place you wouldn't know unless you ask them uh, you just wouldn't know and people have so much shame typically around feeling like that especially if they can't articulate what the reason is because you don't always have the most straightforward reason why you might be depressed when your life isn't that bad if you were to break it down but it doesn't really work like that so yeah I knew he was struggling I had spoken to him on the phone uh, about a month earlier at, at length and we had sort of a relationship where I'd speak to him on the phone probably yeah every couple of weeks or every month or so and we talked for hours and we did that for a few years because I was working interstate and he was in Adelaide and then he was interstate and I was back in Adelaide and then we, we'd see each other occasionally when that crossed over but it was a lot of speaking on the phone and really picking each other up as we were both going through difficult parts of our lives and leaving those phone conversations both feeling motivated and energized and it was already always like very positive and uplifting and I could tell he was down on himself and disappointed that things hadn't gone exactly as he would have liked to start off with but very much with a tone of but I will you know I'll, I'll find a way and I wouldn't even have considered that he would have been thinking about suicide because I didn't understand the signs back then and I knew how dedicated his what he wasn't how his, his attitude was such one of being resilient and that he will rise to the top and rise to the occasion eventually and so I was so sure that that would be the case um, and so I, yeah the last time I spoke to him was talking to him on the phone for a few hours and him being down but ending that conversation on a positive note and thinking like, all right, yeah, bro, like I'll, I'll speak to you in the, in the next week or something like that. Uh, and, you know, like life's, life's busy and you keep in touch with your mates, especially those who aren't physically there in the same place as you when you can. And you never really imagine like they're not going to be there like at some one day, you know, you never think like that's actually going to happen, especially if it hasn't happened before. Uh, yeah, and then when I got that phone call a month or so later, I just remember it when um, this when I was told like, yeah, he's he's gone, he's 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 passed away. I just I just didn't register. I remember saying, what? Like, what do you mean? Uh, like my brain did not compute it, and then I think it took probably weeks for it to like really settle in. Uh, especially going to the funeral and seeing the, the destruction of it there. And then in speaking about grief and having explained to me as being like it comes in waves and that's certainly how I experienced it. And I'm guessing you have as well where it's so overwhelming at first and then as time goes on, it's less intense because obviously we need to be able to continue to live our lives, but it still hits you sometimes. And I do say often that um, uh, one of the hardest parts of it is being reminded of them here and there, whether it's through hearing a song or seeing a photo or thinking about something that they used to talk about and then you're hit with the thought of, oh, like, they're still not here. <laughs> but, but once you're gone, you've gone forever. And, and that's just like, such a brutal reality that you can make one decision based on emotion and based on a situation which would have changed um, anyone could have made a mistake you know but you do that and that's it and it's just the brutality of life uh being shown to you like that you, you mentioned me. um like when when it all happened um did you how and correct me if i'm wrong um as an only child as well Cole, and um with your parents like how how did you find the weeks or months after processing it um obviously when it happened for the first time Mank described anger there might be a denial I guess for the first couple of weeks like not believing that it actually yeah go through those stages and then I think also, typically there's a you got to tire yourself out thinking about if there's anything that you mm. could have done because you drive yourself mad I don't think there's any way to avoid that you just have to keep going through that so I think I did that 
in my head for at least a week till I just was going in circles and tired myself out. And you come to a place of accepting that ultimately it's your life's always your responsibility. And although you, you maybe you could have said this or that, or you could have done this or that, ultimately it's up to them and it's not, it's not your fault, but that's mm. a very difficult point to come to. And um, then accepting that it's actually happened and that there's no way to change it. And it's not your fault. That all sort of comes together. And then that's where the, the sadness element, I guess, comes in because then it's like, oh, the shots wore off and then you left with mm. the fact that that's a real thing that happened. And human existence is just incredibly tragic sometimes. Yeah. You know, that's part, it's part of life. It's an awful part of life, but we just have extreme joy and happiness and beauty and extreme tragedy in this world. And, and we're all brushed with both sides of it at some points in our life. And yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you just gotta deal with it in your own time, and there's never a point where you're over it and like it's 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 all good and it's fixed. But for me, it's gotten to the point where one, I feel like I've honoured him by creating what I've created, and that uh, in some way, my own perspective, it's it's contributed to his death not being in vain because mm. it's helped a lot of other people since then, and so I'm very proud of that um, but i know that's that's a big that's been a big part of my own healing as well and, and me dealing with my own hang-ups about that was was being able to do something and there's certainly no expectation that if something tragic happens to you you have to turn it yeah. into your life purpose but it does happen and um i'm grateful that it's happened mm. to me in that regard but yeah uh typical i guess experience of greece just being being shocked and overwhelmed and then uh, guilty to a degree and then angry and then just sad and then the sadness sort of lessens and life keeps moving on and you remember them and then uh, what's helped me is just trying to embody some of his greatest traits and trying to let that live on me. I really like, um, Cal, I really like the part you said around embodying their traits. Yeah. It's almost like they might not physically be here, but emotionally and spiritually, you're able to carry mm. some of those traits or some of those behaviors that, you know, he or she had, um, mm. you know, for whoever's listening. Um, and you can take that forward. And you always remember there's like a part of them that lives with you. Uh, mm. And like this vessel that we have as a body yeah. um, as we continue living. It's like, yeah, have you seen Star Trek, Sonny? That's like a very similar thing they say in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really good. I, I haven't seen it, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> I only and, watched and Harry said, Potter and uh, Marvel last year. So I'm, I'm catching up on my movies. <laughs> yeah, I think Spock says um, they're not really, if someone passes away, they're not really passed away if they if you find a way to remember them. So mm. it's like, it's like a very similar like philosophy yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, those, when those men memories come up you can choose whether whether to make them sad or make them like a beautiful thing Mm. you know so if i hear one of those songs or i have one of those moments um where like i have a a tear come to my eye or i think about it like now i just choose to smile smile through it and and feel it and know that that meant that um that was real that person touched you you loved them and you're human and that that there's nothing to shy away from there and um feel it yeah yeah so that's how i look at it now yeah absolutely and i think i think when you start asking these questions to your mates or friends or whoever it might be often we off we often say like you know are you okay but i think what's important is actually really meaning it in in the way you you address it in your tone um you know you actually stop and you you genuinely and intentionally mean it um I've been in a situation and not in the situation of um, asking someone if they're um, uh, suicidal in, in that sense, but you know, I saw someone that was visibly upset and I kind of joked about it, you know, are you okay? Kind of like my mechanism of dealing with it was in a, in a jovial um, in a manner just to like soften the blow. But often you kind of just want to genuinely mean it in the way you say it in your tone, the way you phrase it. I think that plays a huge role in the, in the way the other person receives that as well um don't know if that makes sense but i think it's quite important you know the other person might just think you're joking and you know they can just easily brush it off like oh i'm well um but if you intentionally mean it i think it comes across very different and it it provokes that response that yeah leads to bigger and better things 
yeah yeah i i've learned that just recently <laughs> that's not like very different yeah. to, it's very different to say like hey like you, you know you're right you're right mate. Yep. and then go like yeah yeah right. versus like looking them in the eye for a couple of seconds yep. maybe like putting a hand on their shoulder or something yeah and saying like how are you going yeah you know yeah like, where are you at yeah like talk to me yeah. You know, saying that, that is very different. You can't really brush that off. You can. But yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's a whole other. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you can't, you can't force people either. Like it's, it's, again, it's not about, it's not about you. You can offer that through, you can, you can be the kind of person that gives off that vibe. Like you want to listen and you're not going to judge them. Talk about your own feelings and sort of lead by example. But um, yeah, you can't force people and nor should you it's not your job i mean if anything if you're a loved one or a friend or someone who cares your job is to ask if you're concerned and to listen if they offer something yeah and then to keep asking if you're still concerned and that's very simplistic but that's that's what's sort of up to you it's yeah. not up to you to say like all right yeah. well i'm going to call this person and this person and mm. i don't know you you say this but i i I reckon this and i read a book about this so this is like the answer like yeah. that's too much yeah you, and you spoke i think a, a, a word that you used there um was around i think that a word that describes this is, is empathy i think like that is that that is definitely a a, a super important um a sort of sort of personality trait or emotion that you need to show particularly people who are in that who are in that state um and just opening your ears to listen and i, I think this is a it's a good segue into another part of your life cal um, which is uh, your, your career in journalism. And you used to cover people, you know, people who are in, um, you know, used to cover uh, many stories um, back, in your, back in your earlier years. Um, and, you know, the, the, those stories range, like, like range from a lot of different, um, I guess, like avenues. People oh, they're have. mostly, mostly fire, fires, fatal accidents. Yeah, Robert, yeah exactly. Abby, yeah. Fashions. Yeah. Uh, that was it. Yeah, it. exactly. And it's like, and the question that I that I that I kind of had on that was, particularly, how did you kind of strike the balance between like showing that empathy and sort of interviewing the families of those who had um of those who had who had, who had lost a loved one, um, and performing your job as as a journalist. I mean, as in you and if you've spoken in other in other podcasts around sort of, you know, as you're, as journalists, you kind of to desensitize yourself from the situation a little bit. But I guess, like when you, I guess, like my, my assumption is that when you're hearing all these these different stories, obviously you, this is taking a toll on your own mental health. But I think the the, the interesting question that I have is, you know, for, particularly from 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 reporting on these stories, of course you need to put food on your on, on the table for yourself. I mean, you need to you need, like one of your key, I guess, like your key KPIs as a journalist is to make sure that you're reporting on all these stories. Um, but then, of course, there's another aspect which is like you have to, you know, sort of have consideration for the families and and, and ensure that you know like that you're not sort of stepping on anyone's toes um, and you're not sort of, and you're sort of like reporting on these things for the right reasons. Um, so I guess like, how did you kind of strike your balance between the, between those two obligations? Yeah. And if you're a junior reporter and you're especially working in commercial TV news, I mean, it's not like you're making the decision. You're mm. not saying, all right, well, I'm going to report on this today. It's like not how it goes. It's the same with a lot of junior positions, whatever kind of industry you're in, but in news, it was very much all right. You know, McPherson, this is your story today. Go make that happen. Yeah. Uh, at all costs, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certainly do everything that you can to make that happen. And this is what it is. And you'll go do it. And at the same time that you do it, Channel 9 and Channel 10 will do it as well. And the paper. And they better not get anything that you don't get because there'll be trouble. That's sort of, that's how the game goes. Mm. Um, so it's not like the reporters are out there deciding a lot of the time what kind of stories they're going to cover. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but the, uh, yes. Yeah. And we want to be storytellers and we want to do our job with compassion and um, do it in the right way as much as possible. And I believe most people working in that industry do do that as much as they can. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you can say like, no, I'm not going to report on that story because it's just not an option for people. Like that's, that's your job. And a lot of the time mm-hmm. that's quite uncomfortable stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the public wants to see it, but like they want to watch the news, but they don't like 
the fact that someone has to make it mm. and you get you get abused a lot of the time and called a vulture and you know the, the media has got such a negative image in the public eye these days like it did decades ago so it's similar to the police in some ways but with less respect mm. and people want the news but the news has to come from somewhere and to generate it, it's actually takes a huge amount of work and effort and it's not necessarily pretty mm. um and yeah like i guess you, you still choose how you do your job right so if you're given uh, your task or you have to do a story and and you've got your own style like mm. i just tried to do the job with compassion and mm. try to put myself in other person's shoes and if you you want to do the story from a from a perspective of as much as I can, like, I want to believe that this can help in some way. And sometimes you sort of felt like, you know, I just can't see that happening. But as, it, as much as it was in my control, I always tried to treat people respectfully and, and look at the human side of things and not lie to people and not be manipulative. And um, I guess the reason, one of the reasons I didn't last in that game in particular is that I just didn't believe in the importance of it enough in terms of the com competition aspect mm. with the other channels mm. and, and that it was so paramount to share some of these stories um, when I don't think they really helped anyone. Yeah. You know, they, they filled the bulletin and they were gossip, but to the people actually involved, it probably did more damage or it certainly didn't benefit. Mm. Um, and I didn't love it. I didn't love that job. Um, and I think a lot of the people who stay in it, they do love it and they do a great job of what it is. And that's their, that's their thing. And someone has to do it mm. still people, lots of people say, I don't watch the news. I'm interested in the news. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation, yep. but we need to know what's going on. Yep. And mm. that's really important. And someone's got to do it. And it's, tough job there's like a lot of stress and pressure and not a lot of time mm. and a lot of disturbing sort of situations that you're put in especially young people and yeah you've got to be tough and focused and uh, i think you have to believe in it personally you have to be like this is this is important enough for me to to want to do it and uh, i got to the point where i was like this isn't for me yeah. because i I can't, I can't justify that enough. Um, yeah, but that's that's me. That's my own personal perspective. I certainly don't think reporters and journalists are, are, are bad people in any mm. way, or people mm. who are trying to be manipulative. And I think mm. that's sort of the common yeah. um, misconception is like, oh, the media is trying to sway the public and lie to us and uh, anything to get a story and all. Uh, they're getting all this money. Like journalists are way worse paid than teachers yeah. and abused far more. Mm. And like they do it because they believe that it's a service that needs yeah. to happen. And they find it exciting and they find it fulfilling. But people aren't out there particularly trying to mislead the public on purpose or do the wrong thing. The fact is in a place like Adelaide, there's already so much news and the, and the news must go on. You have to find something to fill that bulletin. And that means that you have to go hard to, sometimes to make that happen. And, and people aren't going to like that. Yeah. And people don't want to be filmed in public when something terrible has happened to them. Yeah. But that's, that's what happens because that is news a lot of the time. And like, you don't have to like it, but it is, it is what I hate saying it is what it is. I'm not saying that. But yeah, that that's that's the reality of it a lot of good people do it and i didn't want my life to be centered around that yeah. anymore. but i'm glad i did it because it showed me a lot i learned a lot and it made me who i am yeah. yeah i completely agree and uh, just quickly i know i'm conscious of time because you've got to see a beautiful grandmother <laughs> very shortly yeah. um, Such a good yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah you touched on, on a lot of different points i think um, so my partner is uh, an editorial lead. She's an editor and um, I guess a young journalist that's um, kind of building her own career. And we've had a couple of discussions around this. I don't think journalists go into this career to try and grab the top headlines or, you know, make the victims' families, you know, in, put them yeah, in. Certainly don't look for money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, and I think um, it is, I, I really liked how you said it. it's like, it is, someone's got to do it. 
it's a public service and I think a lot of people do it because of that impact perspective, like broadcasting the stories that don't get told or the untold stories. And I think there's a big um, there's a big trend in media now separating news from noise. There's a lot of noise out there and, and what is actually the news? What is the untold stories that we need to broadcast? And so... Yeah, and that's the Daily Oz's tagline. Yeah. They're doing that news for, for young yeah. people. In yeah, yeah. Uh, what Zara and I Sam are building. Sam on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, quickly to round off, um, we've got two things. One is a rapid fire, and one is where can people find you? Um, maybe uh, let's uh, let's do the rapid fire first, <laughs> and then and then um, we'll give you the space just to share. You know, where can people find you and, and everything like that. So, Mank and I have dutifully uh, put together a couple of questions, <laughs> which uh, which we hope. Um, yeah, which we hope we um, we can hear from you. Quite keen to hear some of the responses uh, on your end, but maybe we'll just do a quick drum roll <laughs> before we start it off. Um, all right, got six questions. Mank and I will take three each. Um, first yeah. question is your go-to song to energize you. Ah, uh, you're supposed to just know this, aren't you? <laughs> what comes What comes to your mind? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it would it would be Take Me by Will Sparks. Oh huge. That's huge. That's huge, <laughs> it's huge. Um next one. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's good, that's good. Um next one, uh best advice best piece of advice you've ever heard? Um Trust your gut. Yeah, that's a good one. Um yeah. your dream podcast guest. <laughs> apart apart oh. from us. <laughs> um, Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah. yeah. I can't. I, I sometimes I can't understand what he says half the time. Like I, I just feel like he's just used <laughs> too many big words for me. Like he he wants like right. yeah. yeah well, once he, he explained a really really simple. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he, he tried. He, he was explaining a super super simple con- concept, but he explained it in like like. 10 most different like way. most complex way but i'm like dude this is like this is too much for my brain to handle right, the guys the um, guys 10 universes in one yeah i know yeah genuinely 100 um there's, there's so many though yeah but, yeah the other people have already uh, already interviewed them so that's okay yeah, yeah. yeah i think that's that's part of it like yeah. there's so many celebrities and stuff that like oh that'd be that'd be a great interview yeah. but i find that everyday people have stories with just as much merit Mm. yeah yeah definitely definitely um what's the first thing you think of when you wake up most days uh that i am so keen to be alive <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> huge yeah yeah that's uh, i love that like, let's go yeah that's great <laughs> that's groove um uh what's what's something you're looking forward to in the next coming weeks or months or in the year is there like a particular highlight that you're like bloody keen to just get after mm. yeah we've had a pretty major shift recently just in my uh how i'm using my own free time and i guess the way that i am acting when i have the space so i've been just smashing books lately and uh trying to stay away from my phone a lot more uh so i'm 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 definitely like the the pendulum for me always swings back Mm. so i i either i I can be all the way here in in debauchery and doing all Mm. the wrong things or i can be all the way over on the other side like mm. uh, righteous and, and holier than thou, <laughs> you know. I think that could be either mm. one of those. Um, but yeah, recently I've been doing a massive amount of turning the TV off, putting my phone away, reading books all the time, uh, going for walks, uh, just sitting with myself and trying to get comfortable with just not being distracted all the time and actually mm. face up to that. Um, mm. And all those healthy co- healthy coping mechanisms, doing uh, yeah. I do martial arts all the time. And just being very in touch with myself and the world and how amazing it is to be able to live in this time and have this opportunity to 
learn and grow and just get rid of all the all the noise all the crap from my life which i've been doing so i'm um that's making me feel very inspired at the moment and i'm keen to just keep following that and keep the positive momentum up momentum up mm. and um not let the little demon on my shoulder throw me off course because he always does <laughs> he always does yeah yeah definitely definitely and the last one here uh cal is um if you could teach the entire world just one concept what would it be uh, I don't think I don't think these are rapid fire questions, Sonny. There's just some reflection. Yeah, we're gonna have to cut um, it off. It would, be, it would be that happiness isn't the goal. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what is the goal? Like, what? What? <laughs> what is but, the goal? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you because I have all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> take my take uh, my six week course. <laughs> yeah, you asked. Your, uh, you put me. You painted me into a corner. Uh, so I would say happiness isn't the goal because I think it's a it's a false flag. It's not a realistic target to aim at. And a lot of people think like uh, I should be happy, which means that I should have these feelings of euphoria or glee or joy all the time, and my life should be free of pain and struggle and that that's what i should aim for and of course never get there because Mm. that's not possible and that actually what we really want is a higher mountain to climb and something that's really difficult for us to achieve but not so difficult that we can't do it Mm. and Mm. and a reason why and an opportunity to serve and and a struggle and continual struggles of our own that we can overcome and help people along the way and experience periods of happiness where everything's going great, but also periods of sadness and darkness and, and grief and triumph and all of it, because you can't have the sunshine without the rain and we shouldn't be wishing for a life free of suffering because life is suffering. I'm not making this up. Mm -hmm. That is very famous Mm -hmm. Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, that that that's what we should actually be aiming at and that should be our north star and we should be welcoming those difficulties into our life as long as they mean something to us as long as there's a reason behind it yeah and if you find a reason then then you should hold on to it and be grateful yeah that, that, yeah it's, it's it's just like being right just being and just going with the flow it's very similar. I th- I think I forget the basketballer's name. I've, I've watched this video before. I think it's either it's either Kevin Durant or Draymond Green. Um, one of the two. I can't remember which one it was, but um, they they, they literally said they're very they said a very similar have a very similar philosophy around um, uh, not sort of uh, they're trying to strive for having that ultimate happiness and being hundred percent happy all the time. I think that their their whole philosophy is around sort of just going with the flow and sort of treating every situation as it's meant to be treated. Um, and I guess it's just just being so. Like you mentioned, Cal, you can't have the sunshine without the sunshine without the rain. So um, you can't it, actually be happy all the time. Yeah, the only reason a, I, but when I'm happy or I feel deeply blessed or grateful is because I know pain and I know struggle, mm. and mm. everyone's the same. And mm. and victory only feels good because you had to fight for it. Yeah. And and if it was just all the all the end result with none of the journey. It wouldn't mean anything because the journey is the thing. You, know, yep. you never get there. There doesn't exist. You know, you see a mm. mountain in the distance and you get there, it's a pile of rocks and you do it again. Mm. So if you're yep. always waiting to get to the destination before you allow yourself to be happy or, or allow yourself to be content and feel fulfilled, then you'll spend your whole life waiting. Mm. Yeah, completely agreed. There's there's one thing I've learned is not just that, but these are definitely not rapid fire questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. One hundred percent. Kel, just to um round things up, um, where can people find you? Obviously you're doing some awesome work with young bloods. Um, you know, take the floor, like um what's planned for young bloods and, and where can people find you on the podcast? Yeah, so Instagram, Young Blood Men Mental Health. Uh, all podcast platforms and Young Blood Men's Mental Health on YouTube. We do all our episodes in video in our awesome studio in Adelaide as well. Um, we've got something for everybody. It's all get geared towards young men under 40, but relevant to women, relevant to men of all ages, um, and people who identify in every 
sort of way. So um, yeah, it's really something for everyone because it's about the human experience, which we all go through. So I encourage people to check that out because there's some incredible men who've been on that show and some amazing stories which I'm very proud to have been able to share. So please uh, follow and go and check that out. Uh, in terms of what's planned for it, uh, keeping it simple, do what I've always done, find a way to keep it going, keep telling stories. Um, just creating a space for people to, to put stuff out there that otherwise wouldn't be and finding little victories along the way in terms of people who messaging saying that something they listened to made them change their perspective or they just heard an episode and they've got sons and it made them think about a conversation they might have with them now or mm. they lost their father to suicide and hearing someone else's perspective yeah. made them feel better about it. Those sort of wins, I take those and um, just keep it going. Just keep, keep the conversation going stay a part of this wave which is happening now and isn't going to stop which you guys are a part of and should be very proud of yourselves as well because i know how hard it is to create mm. something get it up and going and then actually keep it going i mean a lot of people will say yeah. like, i'm gonna do this and do that but are you really when when the motivation dries up and mm. um it gets hard and it gets expensive and you have to find, find time for it it's not easy to keep something like that going when you've got all this other stuff to going anyway if you're very intrinsically motivated for the right reasons and there's um increasingly there's more and more of us and a, a lot of young men pushing this now as well and it has to come from us so i'm grateful to be a part of that and i certainly want to stay a part of that so mm. that's what's that's what's happening yeah, yeah. love it love it yeet mate good yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll put it in the show notes uh if anyone wants to listen um and yeah give you a follow on uh, facebook and, and insta and everything like that yeah, tiktok if you've got that as well yeah um anyways thank you mate thank you for a bloody awesome conversation um very glad that we could make this happen um i know your grandma is probably waiting for you so yeah so <laughs> hopefully we yeah, haven't nice. held you too long <laughs> yeah, yeah i was just gonna say it's always great to have these conversations and i love seeing other young guys in this space trying to do a similar thing and i know we're we're on the same sort of mission. So I just want to thank you guys for your persistence and, and wanting to um, put these conversations out there yourselves. It's very reassuring and good to know that we're not doing this sort of thing alone. And um, those rapid fire questions were real hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we got to come back and fix that one. <laughs> we'll do it for part two. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, this is Sunny signing off. It's Mank signing off. This is Callum signing off. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at Bottled Up Oz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.